to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. get into this welcome to pod damn america everybody anders lee here oh thanks for yeah jake flores here hello <laughs> uh i'm having well, a kinda... hard time like starting today because i'm feeling a very heavy malaise because i've been staring at twitter too long in a very like 2016 ish way uh fighting yeah, with the goddamn this... libs Discourse has been recycled. Uh, we thought it was dead, but just when you thought you couldn't see any more, uh, Ragnarok lobster come <laughs> up to the surface once more. Yeah, I. That's the worst part about this is that it's like, oh, it's happening again. Like it just the same points get trotted out every four years because presidential elections are far enough apart that people like. Like it works for them to just sort of, you know, put the same like kind of unanswerable talking points out every eight year or every four years or whatever. Plus, there's a generation of just you know young new people that weren't around for the last one that they're going to try to get. So just every fucking four years, it's going to be like, but Trump, you can't vote. If uh, you have to vote for Biden because Trump is just literally destroying democracy, you're privileged. I'm white. Everyone, everyone, white people just yelling at me that I'm white is <laughs> something that happens all the time during this. It's fucking insane. Um, I just I pissed people off by dunking on Rob Reiner <laughs> because he was he was doing the you have to vote to save democracy thing and like. I was, if you only ever are allowed to vote for Joe Biden, I think the thing that we're looking at doesn't really look like democracy, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like kind of absurd. And so I made fun of him. And it, what happened is, like, I, don't, I feel like I summoned, like, the lib accounts, like a, like a ghost, you know, like a demon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like I put out candles and put, you know, Ragnarok Lobster and Mueller, she wrote on them and they, they showed up a lot to do now. So, you know, you're giving them some something to occupy their their time and tweets with. At least I forgot that Mueller, she wrote was still I'm Why? still in existence. Yeah. What are they still? I mean, I guess there's a lot of court cases against trump now uh but what should you should just be sitting on that that cool wad of cash that they got over the covid that's what i would be asking if they were in my mentions is how do we get in on this uh ppe business the next time around wait so people have been making fun of them for like a ppp loan thing what ha- what i don't know the story there they, they got one e loan as a podcast and got like millions of dollars millions yeah 
Jesus fucking Christ. What are we doing? <sighs> Folks, get yourself a Casper mattress. They're really good mattresses. Uh, I don't know. I, we don't actually have a sponsor. I just, I'm tr- I want millions of dollars. <laughs> um, that's 50 fucking grand. Bananas. 50 grand. Okay. Maybe not millions. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's fair. That's still a fuck ton of money, though. To me, it's just it's the same. Yeah. Anything above like 10 grand is a million dollars. Okay. That's bananas, though. Um, it's funny how the f- further you get, there's a period in my life where I was kind of middle class. I, get, I mean, I grew up middle class, of course, but like as an adult, kind of in the middle class world. And I don't know, like the more income you get, you realize like this really isn't anything. Like I, this is not enough income to buy a house. This isn't enough to like own a car really, or definitely not enough to raise a family, but it still sounds like like the number I was getting was more than I had ever made and more than I'm making now. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's sad. It's just a, it's the cycle. You're telling me Yeah, <laughs> it just happened to me <laughs> and it was a life changing like thing for me, but I, it's, I still am not in a class of people that can have owned things mm-hmm. more money. Than I've ever, I made more money than I've ever made off anything ever getting bought out of 538 in my life completely life-changing it is not enough to be a normal person (laughs) or what is considered a normal person like what is there's got to be a number right because you would think a million but then again a million if you're going to live for 60 more years maybe that's generous 50 more years let's say you and i that's maybe not enough a million dollars and that's going to be with inflation you know that's you need more than a million to to chill yeah no i I know people who have a million dollars and then they just were poor again because uh, it's very well, the, the cost of everything has gone up. Like, I mean, the, the, there's, there's a joke about that in Austin Powers because he comes from the 60s, you know, it's like a time travel part of the plot of that movie. Um, Dr. Evil is also unfrozen from the 60s and he's like, you know, he he's doing some evil supervillain plot. And they ask him what his demands are. And he says, $1 million. And then everyone starts laughing. Because back in the 60s, that oh, would that's change. why that's funny. Yeah. I just thought it, it was funny that he said the word million funny. Because <laughs> I was a stupid kid. And I thought a million dollars was also a lot of money at that time. Which, it's funny. Because if you, if you look at like 90s movies, uh, Thomas Crown Affair, for instance, it's a big deal that he's a millionaire. Now he would be nothing. Yeah, like this guy is a joke. He's just a he's just a millionaire. The billionaires is the new millionaire. Yeah, What's next? yeah, and like you have to. I mean, you think about money. Like you, if you kind of take into account, like a million dollars is going to flow through your pockets over a course of an amount of time, right? But you just don't get it all at once. Uh, but that's not also, that's, I don't know. That's also kind of not true. Cause like the world is fucking set up for you to have to have like a million dollars to navigate it. And yet we all just have to like survive making like 20 grand a year or whatever somehow in it. Uh, you know, who, who said something really smart about this once is, um, Jane, our friend, Jamie, she said something about millennials and like um, how 
we get all this shit for buying avocado toast, you know, and going out and going to music festivals and like consuming all this stuff because all older generations will claim, Oh, well, if you just worked hard, like I did and just, you know, tightened your belt, whatever, then you would, um, you know, you would save money. Um, and what she said was the thing about being a millennial is that you, we the what the cost of like buying a house like owning something is prohibitively high right mm. you will never save enough money to fucking buy something uh but you know like there's no so because of that there's no point in like just being a like a uh, very scrupulous that's not the word i'm looking for it's just sitting around like saving all your money so like if you if you make like f- like five hundred dollars you know you have like a really nice day at work bartending or something or you you know get some kind of paycheck it's not enough money to put towards actually investing in your future so you should spend it because at, you, before you know it your life will be over and like this this amount of money any amount of money that's like that's just a big payday for people like us is never going to be enough to where it actually be reasonable to make the argument like you should invest this in something you kind of we're kind of stuck in a in a area where like uh all you can do is go out and have a nice friday night with this shit <laughs> you know right i remember one of my best friends in uh high school uh, for better or worse, was this guy who had brain damage and we would just like drive around aimlessly sometimes. And I remember him saying once that uh, he, he somehow got a job. This is somebody, he, he like, he talked like this really slow and monotone. Like this was how he talked. And I remember him saying that he, he somehow got a job and he's like, well, I have a hundred dollars before my next paycheck that I'm going to try to spend. I was like, why? You're, why are you blowing it all? Shouldn't you save it? He's like, well, the point of having a job is to spend money. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, you're an idiot. You should like save your money somewhat. But ever, you know, but more and more, I'm thinking he was right. You yeah, he kind of probably TGI was. GI Fridays and buy the steak dinner. Well, not only is he maybe maybe he's right, you know, in like a philosophical sense, but like. And the other thing that drives me crazy about this shit is that, like, all of these old, like, fucking David Brooks-ass New York Times think piece writer, old men type people are always yelling at us about the avocado toast thing. Oh, you bought a, you get a nice latte, you know, uh, you spend all your money on craft, whatever. And then as soon as the pandemic happened and everyone stopped working, they were like, the world is going to end if people don't buy things. <laughs> like <laughs> they also demand that we consume every fucking good on earth in order for the economy to keep going. So which one is it, motherfucker? Like, do you want me to spend money or not? And like, obviously, yeah. it's that they want us to spend fucking money. So yeah, like goes, the good. Well, it just goes back to nine. I mean, those, those are two two of the big crises in our lifetimes have been the pandemic and nine 11 and the response to both of them in terms of like, what can you as a, do as an individual is shop, you know, buy stuff, spend money, get America back on track. Yeah. 
Yeah. Man, uh, somebody told me something funny the other day about Palestinian food. I can't remember. There was like a Freedom Fries joke somewhere in there, but it's it's over. Uh, God, these fucking lips. Before we get into Palestine, let's talk about these goddamn Ragnarok lobster motherfuckers. <laughs> I've, we might have even talked about this in the show before. That guy at Eclectic Brother. Uh, <laughs> he started tweeting at me and it's, if the, if you guys ever see this guy on Twitter, he's like one of those weird, like democratic party chill accounts. Just Google his, his name plus the word nanny, <laughs> not nanny, like the nanny, nanny, like punani, N-A-N-I. There is just miles of weird old tweets where he says shit like ladies, America's future depends on you sharing the nanny with me on a regular basis. I read it in the New York Times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's another one where he's saying, feminists must stop being mean to men in tweets and think pieces. Not offering up the pussy like it's a 24-hour buffet is torture enough. This is the guy yelling at me that I'm like a fascist for not voting for Joe Biden. <laughs> It's really weird. I don't know why he doesn't I, just take him down. See, I didn't know what that what that meant. I didn't know that nanny meant poo nanny, which I guess ostensibly means vagina. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the nanny. Oh, I heard she's a turf, by the way. I, know I was talking about how she's like a cool union leader or whatever a while back, but apparently it's apparently she's a turf and an anti vaxxer. There's just no good. Uh, Every everything is bad. J- John Lovitz was yelling about like how this is this is a a war, not a genocide, or whatever. Yesterday, I was like, "That's the fucking critic." I, I like, thought that I guy's, but that guy that guy's been a right winger for I think since the beginning. John Lovitz, yeah, not love yeah, it. <laughs> no, not love it. Love it. Love it is arguably worse than love it. He wow, uh, I didn't know yeah, that. I'm, I remember him calling Obama an asshole, and I was like, "What's this about?" And it was like because Obama said, said, did not do crucially, but said that rich people should pay more in taxes. And John Lovett called, or fuck, Lovitz <laughs> <laughs> called Obama an asshole. Was the the word he used? Um, wow. I didn't know that. Uh, oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. And he played. He he played. Arguably, he threw the election to George H. W. Bush. Uh, the way he played Dukakis on uh, on SNL in in '88. <laughs> I wonder if you do if it makes your performance uh, more biting if you actually hate the person you're doing an impression of. Well, that it probably doesn't matter. That is a perfect segue to talking about Sasha Baron Cohen. Mm. Uh, <laughs> he's he's like somebody who you know, he's been tweeting about standing with Israel and stuff like that, and people are like heartbroken about it, <laughs> you know, like um, like he was like a, a guy that our generation you know really liked, and we kind of assumed he was based or whatever. But with him, it's like, well, yeah, like. Borat is him making fun of Aaron. <laughs> like, there's this weird thing with Borat where, because he, for some reason, I think that collectively the audience convinced ourselves 
that there's like some really intellectual like hat on a hat thing going on where it's you know he's kind of an edgelord like oh we're like oh he's making fun of making fun of brown people you know yeah. and uh it you just just a, you just retroactively i think engineers that argument because you, you're laughing and it's it is fucking funny but he's doing something that's like stupid <laughs> uh it's crazy because he's he's well he also you know he's kind of a serious actor so like libs really like him he's like in movies and stuff you know as himself uh i for some reason he's considered like intellectual and heightened and I think everyone is just sort of like in denial of the, the kind of base joke of what Borat actually is. And I say this as somebody who thinks it's fucking funny. Like I laugh at it. I just, this is, this is another big Twitter argument. I've been getting into people <laughs> getting into it with people about lately is like, um, I, I, there's a lot of stuff out there that isn't good, like politically, but is fun to watch. And, I think that the reason people do this thing, this happens all the time, right? You kind of hear people make this argument that uh, conservatives don't make good comedy. You know, this is a very popular fucking thing that people parrot. A parrotable opinion is like uh, conservatives just don't make good comedy because they're just so like corny about it. Uh one of the things you hear from internet dorks is, oh, they get angry. They, get, they said that on Chapo. So now everyone just says, yeah, they get too angry or whatever, right? Uh, you know, and I, there's like circular logic to it that really bothers me because I think that the truth is that actually uh, con- conservatives make good comedy all the time. It's just that when you hear it, you laugh. And then because you believe conservatives are incapable of making good comedy, you don't clock it as conservative. Hmm. You identify it as, oh, it must have good politics because I I agree with it. And that's why, like, we have this weird thing where, like, every fucking five minutes, we feel betrayed by a celebrity when we find out that they're, like, a shithead or whatever. And it's like, well, you, you, you would, this would stop happening if you stopped assuming they're good people because you like their aesthetic creations. Um, And, I mean, further than that, I don't know, like, also, like, when you argue about this with people, they will sort of, we start reducing it to, like, even, uh, like, take Batman, for example, or whatever, or, or, or David Simon. I don't know. The, all these things, when you get into, into conversations about what art means and stuff like that, and whether it's made by a, a good or bad person, or politically this or that person, we start to go by what the creator of the thing self identifies as. So I'll be like talking to somebody and I'm like, um, you know, yeah, the, the wire is really interesting. Cause it's, you know, really good at analysis, but David Simon's like a shitty neolib or whatever. And they'll be like, well, he's a Democrat. And I'm like, okay. He like votes Democrat. That doesn't mean that there aren't elements in some of the things that he makes that are, that say things that have nothing to do with, voting one way or the other they're just like reinforcing of ideas about the necessity of police because you know he's painting a picture of a world in which there is no alternative or something like that yeah you know we did an episode about uh, about this uh, the the wire episode about david simon and those having those two things uh 
in contradiction in his mind. But um, yeah, I mean, I think with the for every Sasha Baron Cohen, there's like that Israeli sketch show that went viral uh, that, you know, to us, it looks number one, because we disagree with the the premise and the politics, but number two, the I think it's in some ways probably a translation thing. It's just a different culture from from America and has different uh, pop culture. It just seems very jarring and like clearly bad. Um, and comedy, I mean, comedy is so it's lightning in a bottle. It's so hard to get it right that you know SNL will often have really funny stuff and often have stuff that people really don't find funny. It's I think sometimes we don't appreciate how. And this is a self-serving point, of course, but how hard comedy really is, uh, especially if it's like in a different uh, national context. Did you see Timothy Chalamet like rapping? <laughs> not seen this. No. Well, it disproves your entire point. Uh, is this him playing uh, Bob Dylan? Uh, he's going to be Bob Dylan, apparently, in a new movie. And according to some people, Bob Dylan invented rap. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not know about that at all. <laughs> no, it was just on SNL and like every sketch was him just like, it was, I felt like I was from the eighties or something. Every, every sketch was a joke rap. It was really weird. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Comedy really me- fucking breaks people's minds, man. <laughs> you know, the thing about like something like doing stand up is that, and this is kind of true about like performance in general uh is that if you do it well it doesn't look like you tried very hard at it yeah. which distorts the perspective of the audience and in a good way that makes them like have a good time you know but it it also i think because we're so like inundated with it <laughs> like it causes people to kind of f- form assumptions from there about what's happening. And like, I think that's why, you know, people, uh, will get really obsessed with comedians and start to believe that this person who's going home to rehearsing a bunch of shit that they're then going to say to you on a stage or, you know, on a podcast or whatever is, uh, actually just really smart or whatever. And, that's why we, you know, you hear people make arguments all the time about, oh, so and so, though this person isn't left or right. They're like, Tim Dillon is like an intellectual. He's above that, you know? Uh, it, it's because you're fooled by the, but you're, but it's a fucking clown. <laughs> like, you're like being a baby, you know? I don't know. I'm thinking about this because, like, man, I had my first set in LA last night and uh, I fucking destroyed like it was a really good set you know i don't have have no at this point in my life i am old enough and happiness is a scarce enough fucking substance uh whatever you want to call it that i have no chill about oh i did okay you know i'm not gonna be humble about it i was like god damn like this is why i fucking do this is to just the way you feel when you're just crushing you know and it was crazy because I killed so hard that like everyone, like everyone at the bar afterwards is like fucking cornering me, all these comics and stuff. They all, but like half of them were like, you know, the, now they think I can make them famous, you know, <laughs> just because I like practiced some jokes 
pretty hard or whatever. They're like, you know, they want to network with me. And like, I was talking to the bartender and he was like, you're going to do great here. You're going to be, you could be like in commercials. (laughs) You know, it was like, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> but he like couldn't fathom that I didn't want to be in a fucking commercial for the, for a bank or at the gap or whatever. I don't know. Um, well, I think I feel like people don't appreciate enough too who don't do comedy, uh, which is, a, I respect that. I have a lot of respect for people who don't do comedy, but uh, one thing I think people don't appreciate is that you could do all those same jokes you did to a different audience and totally bomb. Like people I've seen, yeah have late night sets where they do the same material on television that they get paid money for and then do it at a shitty bar show. And it's like the opposite reaction. And, and one person seeing one of those performances thinks either, Oh, this is what a good comedian is, or this is what a bad comedian is. But all those things are so in flux and dependent on the, the time and the place. I'm just thinking yeah. now about that, that Israeli sketch show and how like the, the thing that was the most jarring, I think, is that there was no studio audience. So it wouldn't seem, it would still be bad and probably still would have gone viral, but it would seem like at least slightly, if not substantially better, if they just had people laughing in the, in the room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was super weird. Um, I was also thinking about it cause I was making fun of it because like, this just happens in politics constantly. The go-to bad conservative comedian thing is to go to a thrift store, buy some random shit and dress up like what they think a hipster looks like. You know, it's like a person who's like never been to Brooklyn and they're like, everyone in Brooklyn wears this hat or whatever. And they just buy something and they do like a really uh, shitty impression of, you know, of who they're trying to satirize. It's always really bad. But I was thinking about it and I was like, this is kind of funny because we we kind of did that when we did the fucking uh, Venezuela sketch. <laughs> but sure. but we were right about what we're talking about. And I would argue we're funnier. Uh, so like there's a very minute difference that makes that fucking that <laughs> makes makes it you know portlandia is really similar to that they're trying to do portlandia when they do that they're just executing it badly but you can't pretend like your political enemies are always the ones that do this shit badly sometimes they do it fucking well and you know that's why there's just tons and tons of like insidious alt media with bad ideas in it that like internet dorks who like identify as leftists are like no this is actually good it's actually good when nick mullen says the n-word or whatever it's 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 gonna get bernie elected or whatever the fuck you know it's 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 uh there's like these backwards ass arguments you make where you're like well it's inverting it and uh, and it's like no, it's you're playing with a, a an ugly thing that's fucking fine but you have to understand that it is that edgelord comedy is like the it's it's like copaganda like when you watch a fucking episode of of law and order and you watch ice t be a cop that doesn't like it's not commenting on cops in a way that's critical it's not making cops good it's playing with a thing that exists that is ugly which is that they're fucking there are police out there and if you engage with it that way and then when you're done you go that was fun i'm gonna stop liking cops now you're fucking fine but no one can get through their head that you have to be like deliberate and active about this stuff this is massive like passive fucking uh media intake philosophy here where you just fucking just 
sit on your fat fucking couch. I'm turning into Dennis Leary now. You just sit there, you just take shit in, and you go, oh, that was good. Therefore, it's therefore it has good politics. And then, like, six months later, you're on Twitter, you're going, Sasha Baron Cohen's a Zionist? What? You know, like, you should have fucking seen this shit coming. <laughs> and I guess the thing that bums me out about this a lot is that, like, this should, this wouldn't even be a fucking issue if it wasn't for the fact that, like, you know, we don't really do anything in this country anymore other than consume media. That's just the language that we like live in, which is why I'm kind of a Gramsci guy. Like a lot of materialists go, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that there's like, you know, fucking Dime Square and Edgelords and and fascist podcasters and and Pentagon, you know, money and movies and stuff like that. Because because the you know the base goes one way and the superstructure goes the other way or whatever. But like, uh. it's if that's true, you might as well just fucking walk into the ocean because you have no power over anything anymore. The everything we traffic in is media, you know, and uh, and I also I you know I think it's just more complicated than that. It's a third thing or whatever. You mean like the people, the way people in America engage with politics is primarily through media consumption. Yeah, but I mean that's that's part of it. But I was more just getting at the like. Uh, well yeah that is kind of part of it i guess but i mean i was just getting at the fact that like um you know i mean we we don't are we don't make stuff (laughs) the economy is sort of outsourced to like a lot of labor elsewhere so we have like a service economy and uh and when you sit down to talk to your friends or you sit around the water cooler and you talk about what's going on in the world you know a lot of it isn't material like it's it's not like um i mean we're having a little bit of a fucking labor movement right now but uh you know our economy is like a lot of it is just media and stuff like that it's it's not even physical shit anymore it's uh you know it's entertainment and and influencers and celebrities and movies and stuff like that so that I, I guess I have a hard time with like really vulgar materialists who are like culture doesn't matter. Cause I'm like, cu- culture is like 99% of just what we think about all day, you know, now. So, uh, <laughs> might be something to look at. It might be, it might be, a, we might be in a little bit of a different terrain where it actually, actually, actually culture might kind of be where the battlefield is happening. And I mean, I say that cause fucking, why else would Peter Thiel be dumping money into like cultural projects right now? You know, why else uh, would the, the the DOD be dumping money into movies and stuff? Like if they, if they, our enemy wouldn't be so active in media if the, if it didn't do anything, you know, I mean, maybe there's a chance that they're wrong, but I don't know. Right. Well, I think the, the thing is, though, like the only way for our side to win is for it to not stay in culture, and and I think to a large extent, where the 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 left broadly construed is the one faction that's like in very small ways still starting to step out of that and do you know movements on the streets and and labor organizing and all that stuff. Um, but, well, we're also you know, just not allowed to, to. Right, we'll never but, have like a hegemony, you know. Yeah. 
But if you go back, you know, like a hundred years, every every political party or faction had like a newspaper or something attached to it. But it that wasn't like the beginning and an end of of political activity, even for people who weren't uh, quote unquote leftists. Um, but for it to now, I think, yeah, it it there's nothing wrong with having left wing culture. But the the question is, how do you get it to to be more than that? Um, which is it's it's difficult to to navigate. Yeah, it's difficult to figure that out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm arguing for. Like, I don't. I am not single handedly going to convince people of what I am arguing is like a massively common uh, problem of perception. I don't. I don't know how to fix that fucking problem. It's just something that like makes me depressed. I don't know why I'm so bummed out today. I had a fucking insanely good night last night, and then I just got home and it was like that's as good as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> uh fuck let's talk about goddamn israel uh did you know about do you know about the skin bank that they have so there's a sperm bank and a skin bank yes <laughs> but here's the difference right the sperm comes from uh like dead israeli soldiers the skin comes from somewhere else um there's this documentary about this fucking skin and organ bank in israel and in the documentary they ask the person working at the bank um so uh, what percentage of the skin is is israeli like this is israeli skin right and the clerk at this place starts laughing (laughs) like oh that's a that's a weird question and obviously what they're getting at eventually they reveal is that it's all Palestinian skin. They harvest like like organs and shit from Palestinians that they kill. This is from like 2009, by the way. This is a while back. Okay. Um, I mean, and this is, so they, and these are Palestinians who have not checked off organ donor on their IDs. So that's an interesting point in the, the articles that I was reading about this is that it it wasn't, and then it became a controversy, and now Israel claims that, oh no, now we get consent from the Palestinians to take their organs, which like, I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't know if I believe that. I mean, you know? something tells me these organs are only going one way. They're not, probably not going to other Palestinians. Yeah, exactly. It is surprising, though, because they're so concerned about things like, you know, sperm, as we're saying on the bonus, like just look the other way and get the best quality sperm. Who cares what ethnicity is? You can just say that it's Jewish. Uh, So it's surprising that they wouldn't also be weird about organs, you know, because on a rational level, it shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter. But if you're if you're you view everything through like a religious ethno lens, then it's surprising that they're okay ostensibly with uh with a palestinian kidney going in i yeah wouldn't they be like horrified yeah they i said that Maybe one they're, of unless I, they're doing something else with them that is this <laughs> is there are they building some kind of uh for, for frankenstein yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> they said they take they take corneas you're fucking in your eyeballs isn't that crazy um and like What's mind-bending about this is that so when they first started, the skin bank first started becoming criticized for this, 
you know what they said as defense is like this is anti-semitic you're accusing us of like the blood libel thing you're doing blood libel at us just like you know historically everyone's done um but it's like well you are but it's real (laughs) like you you are like chopping up dead bodies (laughs) they're already dead i guess but like killed them (sighs) i don't know man uh god this is such dicey territory to be in every week. Uh, then, although, then, what's the documentary called? I can't remember off the top of my okay. head. But look it up. There's only one. Trust me. Okay. Um, yeah. well, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Biden just announced um, that he is considering sanctioning Israeli settlers who attack Palestinians in the West Bank. Um, which feels like a low bar, but this would be basically the first time that the U.S. government ever, really, uh, maybe except under H.W. Bush, um, went up against the the Israeli government and wanted to actually conditionalize some of the the aid money we're giving them. Um, and this is we're, we're a very very specific thing, uh, but. Uh, you know, it's it's from a Biden's perspective, he's been critical in the past of of settlements. They're kind of an embarrassment, as we've said before, to liberal Zionists. Uh, so uh, maybe this would happen and it's a step forward. I think it is in large part the result. And we'll see if it's happening. Uh, I mean, it, a lot of Congress people already are, are, you know, Democrats are saying we're steadfastly against any form of conditionalizing of USAID to Israel. But um, if it does happen, I think it will be the result of pressure from the the movement in in the streets, in the uh, in the phone calls to the representatives, etc. Um, but I think you know this is something to consider. There there does seem to be kind of an assumption sometimes when we talk about this stuff that like the U.S. Com- completely runs the show and Israel. Like if we were to uh, conditionalize or just pull out aid that. Israel would just do whatever we want them to. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, I think that's a, a positive step forward. And I think a really important goal for Americans is that that aid money to to make that a political issue. Um, but I think we should go in understanding, having a clear-eyed realization that that is not uh, that going to, in all likelihood, bring down the Israeli state or Zionism. Um, that's like, that's one piece of it. And that's, we should focus on it because, you know, and this is looking at it with sort of a national lens, but I think it's appropriate here. It's our tax dollars and it's our country, uh, that's, that's making this happen. Um, but at the end of the day, it's there, there's still a lot of chips that have to fall for, for the, the whole situation to be ameliorated in, in a, you know, humane way. You know what? You know what else has been driving me fucking crazy about the goddamn libs <laughs> is uh, through all of this. You know, you see these like contradictions with the Ukraine thing, where you just you go, how the fuck? How do you support one side of that and then the opposite side of this, basically? But also, fuck Mueller, God, goddamn Mueller, she wrote shit. Russia Gate. These people were like so convinced that. <laughs> a foreign government is influencing our government 
And it was like the worst thing in the world for four years when Trump was president. Look at this. <laughs> you know, every fucking politician is like beholden to a foreign power called Israel. And like it's, you know, you get censured and shit in Congress if you say from the river to the fucking sea. And uh, somehow that that doesn't equate at all. Right. And it's like actually happening with Israel, not with. Russia. There's not a thing where, like, if a politician says Russia is bad, then they get like kicked out of Congress. This is a glaring fucking contradiction. Also, Elon announced the other day that he's going <laughs> to make it to where he gets suspended from Twitter if you say "from the river to the sea." Uh, this strikes me as something he like he'll forget about in three days or whatever. But yeah. it's still like fucking terrifying. Well, especially if he figures out that uh, Israelis have actually been saying that for a while and are continuing to say it, just about you know, Palestinians being kicked out of from the rivers. And when when they say it, they actually mean a certain group is expelled. Generally, when pro-Palestinian activists say it, they just mean people will be free in this region, and that includes uh, Jewish people. Um, That's why Zionists think that it's about exterminating people when Palestinians say it, because that's what they mean when they say it. Right. Right. Which leads me to uh, Bibi. Read an interesting article today about uh, Netanyahu. This is in, uh, originally it was in a publication in Israel called Local Call, but it was republished on Plus 972, which is uh, an interesting magazine. It's called that 972 because that is apparently the area code for that entire region, even in, as far as I understand it, uh, Gaza and the West Bank, the area code is 972, also the same area code in Israel. Maybe that'll be a an interesting uh, issue of dispute is what, how many area codes is the, is the solution going to have? Are we going to do a two area code solution? Is it going to be all one area code? Is it going to be like press one 972 or press two 972? Um, but this is a it's a it's a magazine that combines both Israeli and Palestinian writers and journalists, and uh, they reposted this. And um, basically, it's about how Netanyahu is is kind of in a bind here because his goal ultimately is to prevent the Palestinians from getting a, a state, and that could mean you know as part of a two state deal. They just he just doesn't want them to have any sort of self-determination in, in that formal way. Um, and now his hand is kind of, uh, what's the term? His hand is behind his back, if you will, because um, the Palestinian Authority is getting more uh, credibility from the, from the international community. And Netanyahu is on record saying, well, especially after what's happened this past month, we're not going to have uh, the Palestinians, the, Pal the PA take over Gaza. Um, despite, you know, I have seen some polls that that's even like what most Gazans want, for better or worse. Um, Netanyahu says there will be no civil authority that educates its children to hate Israel or kill Israelis. So if there's no Palestinian authority, what is there? You know, because yeah. that's kind of the, the more moderate uh, voice if you will, that's that's who the international community broadly construed views as the representative of the Palestinian people. Um, 
you know, they're clearly very corrupt. I don't think there's little question of that, but, um, he, he doesn't want to deal with, uh, with any kind of equal. Uh, so he's saying, uh, that there cannot be an authority whose leader has still not condemned the massacre. There needs to be, there will need to be something else, but in any case with our security control. So he's basically saying they want a full scale, uh, annexation, um, which, some people have said that's already technically on a legal uh, on, on legal terrain. What has happened to Gaza? It's not even an occupation anymore. It's it's annexation. Um, but this would be just totally making them making that region under the yoke of of Israel. Uh, but you know that's not an appealing position to even uh, U.S. liberals. So um, he basically. For Netanyahu to stay in power and uh, keep his project up, he needs the war to keep happening. He needs it to keep going as long as is humanly possible, uh, because otherwise the jig is up, and he ha- there has to be some kind of resolution. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's it's funny because he's he's gotten. He was out of power for domestic reasons in Israel a couple of years ago, and now he's back in. And it's, it can be a bit hard to tell if, how much egg is on his face after this, because there are nationalistic people who are like Netanyahu. He's, he's our guy. He's, our, he's the only man who can fix this. Um, but I think his, this, the, the whole the October 7th and everything after that has kind of perhaps undermined his, his power. And uh, if there, if this, violence ever ends if there is a ceasefire um god willing then i could definitely see him having to to go as a leader um and yeah i mean it's just hard to tell at this point what would happen it seemed it's hard to imagine anything good uh or better um but it's kind of you know like a a shark-like mentality he just needs to keep biting he needs to keep the blood running uh that's just how he, he it's it's kind of a I mean people have called Israel a lunatic state in the past and I think that's BB is a great emblem of that. Yeah, he's like Andy Hall. The relationship right. is like a shark. Stops because, moving, it dies. Oh, yeah. genocide and, is like a shark. <laughs> I mean, and he he would prefer to deal with Hamas than the PA uh, because oh absolutely yeah that's that's why he did this. Exactly. Yeah. So he fucking uh, stilted them up. Um, God, the average fucking liberal, you go like, do you even know what the other fucking parts of the coalition that it is fighting are? No, they think it's just Hamas. It's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, but like, what's interesting is like, uh, I think people in Israel are critical of BB in a way that we don't really understand because it's it's like it's like. When Trump was president, if you didn't live in America, like some people would probably be dumb enough to look at that and go, they elected that guy. They like him, right? But it's like fucking not everyone. Um, yeah. Israel's a little different because people live there by choice often and it's like an ethno state. But, uh, but still, there's like a weird middle class of people. What I've noticed is like a lot of liberals now have figured out a way to appear more sane while still supporting the thing in general is to say like, oh, I don't like Netanyahu I don't think he handled it well but it's still the right thing to do is like the 
the weird like PR spin kind of thing. If you want to, if if you want to move back a few steps and and like strategically not appear just like a bloodthirsty psychopath, because that's starting to become very apparent that supporting this is that, um, you know, it's, it's like hand wringing. It's, uh, the the bearing witness to suffering fucking thing that everyone keeps talking about that Adolf Reed quote has been thrown around like a hundred times since it started and I mean it's it's apt um, that's what you're going to hear from you know every Democrat in office who f- f- fundamentally can't be opposed to this is like um, uh, I disagree with how it was carried out <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, um, I don't know if you saw this, but like, I got a fucking notification last night that, uh, like a, like a not a ceasefire, but like a five day, like kind of temporary thing had been reached for civilians to evacuate. And, uh, and then like, like half an hour later, the white house came out and said, like the, the Washington post should not have published that because it is not <laughs> accurate. And like, we're not doing that. You have to wonder if they if they just like test things and then quickly retract them. Some of these politicians like Elizabeth Warren, it was reported by WBUR, which is the Boston public radio affiliate, said that she is supporting a ceasefire and then quickly had to her office had to clarify, no, uh, we're, we don't support that. Um, but, she, yeah, she fucking not. <laughs> no. Yeah, she's she's I mean, with Bernie, uh, she is not. In favor of a ceasefire. I mean, I'm not surprised, but like to walk it back like that is kind of even more brutal. And it, the thing that really drives me crazy about her, I'm sorry, this is like maybe not that political or I think it is, but uh, the fact that she pretended to be kind of not white and has these opinions is makes my fucking blood boil. <laughs> like that was kind of funny when like Trump, you know, made her, her get the fucking like uh dna test and stuff but like for real though to, to pretend to be a colonized people and to not be a hundred percent down is like uh you cl- like it just makes it very clear like you know why you were doing that it's transparent and uh, uh you know i don't know cynical or whatever yeah she's a politician you know even I, I believe Mary uh, Patola, who is the only um, one of the only indigenous American uh, members of Congress. I don't think she's for a ceasefire uh, either. So I think uh, at a certain point, it's just, you know, you, well, go, that sucks. you go with the flow. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, she's not for a ceasefire. Biden's not for a ceasefire. Bernie's not for a ceasefire. Dick Durbin is the only member of the Senate currently who supports one which is uh very bizarre and i don't know what to attribute this to because he entered congress basically uh with the help of of apac who to defeat somebody who was seen as as too tough on israel um so yeah some worm is turning we don't know where it's going to go but uh that's really weird you know who else is for a ceasefire emmanuel macron which is right i didn't fucking see that coming well he's also for uh a, a, to a winding down of the war in Ukraine. He's, he's for negotiations there. And I think a lot of it is because, uh, well, number one, France, um, I think the population there is 
skeptical of American imperialism. You know, Chirac was against the Iraq war, despite being a, a very conservative uh, figure within France. But uh, but with Macron, I think, you know, these in both cases, these wars are close enough geographically to France where there are already ramifications. So um, the best case scenario when you talk to or listen to some of these rabid Zionists is that uh, the, the Palestinians will be will go back to being seen as just a refugee problem. You know, they won't be in our backyard. They can go somewhere else to Egypt and and maybe Macron's worried about them coming to France for xenophobic reasons. So, oh, that does make sense. They are. That's they're hella racist over there about that shit. Yeah. Well, it's also just like Europe. They're and, Mexicans. They, right. <laughs> And and Europe too is just like it's the, the U.S. All this stuff is so abstract to us because it doesn't. The chickens usually don't make it home to roost because there's two oceans, you know. Yeah, chickens have to swim a long way. The chickens are coming home to roost. It's a Reverend uh, Wright. Um, actually, that's a great segue to something else I wanted to talk about because. First time I heard that quote was uh, Malcolm X talking about uh, JFK, uh, chickens come home to Russia, when he was asked about the JFK assassination, and it was seen as a uh, just a, an insensitive remark. Um, but there is a really interesting article that came out in New York Magazine about Jefferson Morley, who's a, a journalist who has for like 30 years investigated uh, the JFK assassination. And uh, this is relevant because we're a few days away from the big 6-0. This will be 60 years since that fateful day in uh, Dallas. Um, and, you know, it's it's unclear if there will ever be any any resolution uh, to, you know, the I mean, the consensus among people in the United States seems to be that there's there's more to the Warren commission, uh, than, than they let on or, or more to the assassination. Um, but, uh, in a lot of official media organs, it's, it's after decades of, of just treating this stuff as a joke, they are finally conceding, uh, some points. Um, and that comes through in this article. I would be interested to, to talk to Morley about, uh, some of the the things he retweeted the 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 piece and he said like this was a really fair look at things um it does kind of i would say cast some aspersions on him as uh jumping to some conclusions and you know he'll say he personally believes that it was a conspiracy um it's unclear who and i think he'll say he doesn't know exactly who the the key players were and we may never know but um he has said that it may not have actually been the CIA uh, because at the time they're kind of an upstart agency. Uh, and I, in all likelihood, there probably was no formal agency uh, order to, to kill Kennedy. Um, there's probably no actual documented order at all. It's it, this stuff was all done very sort of casually and, and underhandedly. Um, but we do know that of course, Dulles, at the time of the assassination was at his, at the farm, which was like his, the, the CIA property in uh, Virginia. And this is after Dulles has been fired from the CIA. So he's still going back to the place where they like 
kind of the the headquarters where when they have an operation that's ongoing. Um, but the the maddening thing about all this is none of it is hard evidence. Uh, and just like you know Harry Truman, right after the Kennedy assassination, he writes an op-ed basically saying the CIA should be abolished. And the timing, I think, leads one to conclude that uh, that he, he thought the JFK assassination was a conspiracy. And I think there's at least evidence that he thought that. But that on its own is not evidence that you have uh, high-level people thinking this. Um, it's frustrating. Doesn't, is not enough uh, to say objectively that there was a conspiracy theory. And uh, they do criticize Morley a bit uh, in, in this by saying that, uh, oh, well, he he does jump to some conclusions based on, um, you know, there's there's these files that came out uh, and it includes the guy who was reading Oswald's mail. Um, and the pushback to that is that that name had already been released in other documents. So I would be curious to see what, what Morley has to say to this but the i thought the most compelling part of about this article is they do conclude that the warren commission was basically uh a shill for the official story like they they went in with the conclusion that lee harvey oswald did it and that's every step of the way that's what they're trying to prove they weren't actually looking for the truth uh and who knows where that would have gotten them I tend to think it was, yeah, like a casual, a, a clandestine group of of individuals who uh, wanted Kennedy gone, who were loyal to Dulles, um, and there's myriad reasons for wanting him gone. I mean, people always point to to Vietnam. Maybe that's a, at least part of it. I think Cuba probably plays a big role because we knew that some of the generals around him wanted to invade Cuba. Uh, yeah. For a time, like they were pinning the Kennedy assassination on Castro, they were trying to do that, and that story just like didn't hold water, wasn't up to snuff. Um, but then the the I think that does present a question though, which is so then how come they didn't invade Cuba once Johnson was in there? Um, and you know maybe they just wanted a fight somewhere, and that fight happened to be. Vietnam and then uh, the, the Dominican Republic, which uh, a lot of people don't talk about, but that happened during Vietnam. We we invaded the DR and overthrew their government there. Um, mm. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, though, like there's not, I don't know if there needs to be one singular reason to want Kennedy gone. And I don't think that you need him to be, as I said before, a, a an anti-imperialist even for the deep state to want a new president in there. He was bucking them enough to where they didn't trust him and they, they hated him. I mean, that's clear. And these people were, were bloodthirsty, evil guys who I could absolutely see uh, pulling off this assassination. He, he wanted to constrain the CIA, maybe abolish the CIA, change the CIA in ways that uh, who knows how different, what he wanted would actually be from the global order we have today. Um, but I, I think that was enough to want Kennedy out. And there's just so much about the official story and the, the stuff that comes out about uh, in this, this article about the, the Mexico city 
uh, visit that Oswald supposedly played to a uh, a an embassy in Mexico City uh, when the photograph that was released and they include it in the article and they say this was Lee Harvey Oswald. They're trying to build a case that this guy was a communist who killed Kennedy. Clearly not Lee Harvey Oswald. Like they have, they show the photo. It's like a much older guy, bigger. Oh, guy. interesting. Yeah. So someone was trying to cover up something. Uh, I, I think that we can say pretty definitively um, when or if we're going to know what the truth is. I, it's hard to say. I have heard Jefferson Morley say that he thinks in the next, I think it's uh, something like 2035. There's an interview with uh, Jackie Kennedy that's scheduled to be released and, and like the law is kind of wonky, but uh, I believe like they, they do have to release this thing. Uh, I'm sure they'll try to postpone it, but that in that interview, supposedly she's going to say that, you know, cause she was there. Um, she's yeah. going to state her opinion that, that it was not one gunman. Um, and you know, every time they've tried to replicate the assassination, People have hit it from that distance with that gun, but what they and these experiments are often done uh, statically, so without a moving car. So nobody has been able to shoot a moving car from that distance with that gun. Like it's it basically is physically impossible. Oh Um, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's definitely not one bullet that just you know. um, This is magic. Yeah. So. I mean, we'll see. I don't know, though, if uh, if even an interview would do it, because if you just the fact of a prestigious person having an opinion is not it's unfortunately not evidence. I mean, maybe the the evidence is out there, um, but, you know, I sometimes and it and it's interesting because in the article, uh, uh, Morley says he's like, I'm, I am not going to let myself get crazy over this because he's been very careful to only go as far as the facts lead him. Uh, and he's, he's readily concedes a lot of the people who study this go nuts uh, because it's so maddening because, the, you know, so much is classified. That's true of a lot of government documents, but especially this stuff is just. Of course, I'm looking yeah. at one right now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm listening to one. Yeah. Um, this, yeah, it kind of reminds me of, you ever seen Zodiac with the guy who's like yes. trying to solve the Zodiac murders and just his family's like leaving him and stuff. <laughs> right. You know, some things you're just, you'll be just become obsessed forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I want to say that, you know, this week in the big 60, there'll be some, uh, document reveal like biden will cave maybe as a way to cave to uh disaffected youth he'll admit that the government was in on the kennedy assassination but um, (laughs) that'd be an interesting move yeah i don't know uh if the youths of america Right. It's think the, about the Kennedy assassination as much as one Anders Lee does, but maybe. <laughs> well, it's maybe funny. Be- do that. It, it's funny because I feel like the big generational divide is like boomers, uh, you know, every wide acceptance that uh, the official story is bullshit. But among boomers, it's because they love Kennedy and they don't want to believe that he 
betrayed them in the form of the Vietnam War. Right. Uh, so they they have a very emotional connection to John F. Kennedy uh, at, and this pre-war time. This guy, kind of a utopian, you know, it was literally called Camelot. Um, and so it, there's a there's an emotional rationale for wanting something proving that Kennedy didn't come up with the war in Vietnam and didn't want to do that. Um, and and that, that based on the evidence I've seen, I think it's uh, I'm very persuaded that he at least would not have pursued the the same kind of Vietnam War that Johnson did or or maybe any Vietnam War. But overall, he's a liberal imperialist. He's not someone I would have uh, supported. But so for for millennials, it's just like we want to hear the we want this tea to be spilled about what the fucking government has been doing, what the deep state is responsible for. And I think, you know, best case scenario, um, it's hard to justify the continuation of an organ like the CIA after this has been revealed. And, and you just look at like Watergate, uh, very limited um, revelations there. You know, it was confined to like the Republican, the, the Nixon campaign, basically. Uh, but that really reshaped the intelligence community in the United States. And again, in a very limited way, it's, that didn't go nearly far enough. But you have something like yeah, we killed the president, like there could be some kind of uh, reckoning. Like when we talk about abolish the CIA, how do you generate uh, support and rationale for that? I think this could, you know, help that cause. But um, it's, in you know, that could also just be my way of justifying uh, finding it interesting, which which it is just for intellectual reasons. Well, do you think Zoomers like have an opinion about this? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is one of those things where like uh, you're going to read a statistic poll at some point that's like, you know, 90% of people before born after 1999 or whatever, or 1990, whatever the fucking cutoff is, like don't know who John F. Kennedy is or something. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated. Email the show. Call yeah. in. If you're a Zoomer and you have an opinion on the Kennedy assassination, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's generationally like we do tend to approach things different ways. And what that's going to be is crazy, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, everybody kind of has their thing that drives the generation crazy. <clears throat> like for, and I remember on 9-11, uh, a neighbor I had who was a boomer said to me and my friends, like, this is your Kennedy assassination. Like, I remember where I was. You're going to remember where you are. This is going to, and, and they're very similar in terms of like, I personally have gone back and forth on what I think about nine 11. Like, was it an inside job? Was it not? I don't know. Uh, that's, that's we're constantly, you know, having that new facts are being revealed and, and the, it's kind of cycling back and forth and uh the same with the Kennedy assassination i'm not sure what gen x's is maybe cobain dying i mean there's <laughs> there's a conspiracy theory there for a while that it was courtney love but i don't think anyone really takes that seriously um, yeah that's fucking stupid um, for zoomers maybe it'll be the pandemic and maybe some of them are that's why some of them are are anti-vax or they think it was fauci and the chinese or something <laughs> Fran Drescher, anti-vax. Um, speaking of 9-11, uh, did you know that John Legend dated Osama bin Laden's niece? <laughs> I saw that, yeah. 
It's really weird. That's another thing that I, I was looking at pictures of them together the other day, and I just like had a fucking brain melting hyper normalization moment. Cause I was thinking about how he like, he always plays the inauguration, you know, that's weird <laughs> for him to be like two degrees of separation from fucking from bin Laden <laughs> who, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, uh, the Bush family's, um, liaisons with the, with some of the Saudis who there's been questions raised about their involvement in nine 11. It, it feels like a big club that we ain't in often. Yeah. I mean, God, I think about, the, you know, it's like a cliche at this point, but that fucking photo that would go around during 2016 of like Trump and Hillary and bill all like laughing at a party together or whatever. Uh-huh. I, there's truth in that. And that's why I've been so fucking angry about voting <laughs> all week because like, I I vote uh when you when you criticize like voting to liberals online what they hear is that you are not you're rejecting the most important political thing you can do what I am arguing to these people is that it is actually I'll do it fine like whatever but it is very much just a thing like not the end all be all of politics and i think that they kind of think that like they teach you in school when you're a little kid like you know the founding fathers were these geniuses and that the system is why everything is so great and all this stuff and it's like it's like santa claus like fucking grow up it's fucking busted and broken there's a lot of imperfections to it and uh there are just realities to it that like if you understand the I understand why voting is a broken system in this country because I'm into politics, not because I'm a nihilist. Like I keep getting called a fucking nihilist about this. And I'm like, I live in a deep blue state. Like they literally aren't going to count my vote. I would vote if I thought it fucking would do something or whatever, but they like, they don't even count them all. They would just get to a point and they fucking call it. And you're functionally like not, you know, you're cut out of the fucking system. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, I mean, on top of just like electoral college stuff, fine. That's, that's stuff that kind of everybody in this country knows anyway, just the general, like, you know, the, the, the actual basic like Leninist critiques of like liberalism, you know, are something that like, is just beyond the fucking pale for a lot of people. Uh, what you know somebody was yelling at me the other day and they were like well you know you get to vote in a primary like as i was saying like i have no role in in like picking who gets up there that's that's why i think this sucks and they're like there's well, you ever heard of a primary and it's like what the fuck is a primary a primary is like 12 people at the mckinsey institute hand picks for you or get to pick between pete Buttigieg and chasten Buttigieg. great that's that's fucking democracy to you what primary i mean these are the same people who don't want anyone to primary challenge Biden. So right. And it's like against the fucking rules that are like informal, but they absolutely are in play, you know? So it's just like not going to happen. And if you do vote in a way that they don't like, then they're like, you're being undemocratic. (laughs) You're not doing it right or whatever. Like they fucking, there was a bridge. So a, a, a pro Palestine rally shut down a fucking bridge in seattle i think uh bay area i can't remember somewhere in california west coast i don't know why i'm who cares but um 
the, there was like a, a, a it's called a Stalin. So this is not Joseph Stalin, just a regular Stalin. This was uh, this was a tactic that was like controversial in um, in like the civil rights movement. MLK was kind of against it, but it wasn't like hard against it. They would have like arguments and stuff about it, um, disrupting the fucking flow of traffic. And uh, I sorry, I'm I tend to be like we're not doing enough. Fucking if it's making people angry, do more. Uh, I think it was fucking cool and i think that the fact that it disrupted traffic is probably the reason we're hearing about it <laughs> you know uh that's kind of the point there you know um and like p- fucking liberals were like don't no you're never gonna convince anyone if you're doing it like this you know and i was trying to explain to somebody is that the like the goal of like doing something like a stall in isn't even to convince the people in the cars it's to disrupt the fucking flow of society which makes like the the ruling class angry the people that own everything they're mad because their workers didn't show up to work the media has to report on it like all this other stuff happens and it just puts eyeballs on it and you know i don't know it's just one of many ways to maybe fucking do this thing i'm saying it's a perfect idea or anything but it was just making me so fucking mad because I was like, well, when we throw bricks through windows, you fucking chastise us and say, oh, you should do, you know, nonviolently protest. Well, that's what a fucking Stalin is. <laughs> nonviolent protesting. And we do that. You say, you should fucking more peacefully protest. You, we do that. And they say you should vote. And when you vote, they say, fuck you. You didn't vote for the, the guy you're supposed to vote for who's act- actively doing a genocide and is like also like sorry (laughs) the other thing about this is that these people are all like saying oh you can't vote for trump because he's gonna do the genocide even worse but then also they're in denial that it's a genocide and they think it's good so it's like well shouldn't i vote for trump then (laughs) like if you like this fucking thing that israel's doing and he's gonna be a bigger supporter of it um, I'm not. I'm gonna vote for Kumail Nanjiani again, but um, I'm undecided. I'm undecided because uh, you know we got several candidates at this point: Cornell West, Jill Stein, and uh, uh, the Claudia and Karina who are running on the PSL ticket. Um, and uh, I think it's gonna come down to who gets on my ballot. And I, I'm not opposed to write-in candidates. It's just with my handwriting. I will not be doing you any favors. <laughs> That's funny. But I don't know who's going to, I don't know who's going to make it. Maybe nobody because Cuomo raised the threshold pretty high uh, in New York state. So we may not have, we may not have a third party option on the left in, in NYC, but interesting. Well, we shall see. Um, yeah, I might actually vote third party. If that's a, if, 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 if that happens here, uh, right. Cause you only have, well, I don't know if how it works at the presidential level in California, but for most offices, they have a jungle primary. So you, whoever finishes top two, that's you get to choose from. Welcome to the jungle, baby. Los Angeles, California. That's what that song was about. He was talking about jungle primaries. <laughs> a lot of people misconstrued it to be about sex and drugs. Is that what that's supposed to be about? It's about a jungle. No, of course not. 
<laughs> no, I mean sex. Was it supposed to be about sex? I, I just general like gnarliness. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know what that song's actually supposed to be about. I think it's pretty straightforward. It's just like you know about like p- partying or something. I don't, know. I don't fucking know. Welcome to the jungle, baby. We got fun and games. What do you think those fun and games are, Anders? Voting, Voting in a jungle primary? <laughs> of course. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I'm done yelling about libs. Is this just all so annoying because it's like uh the the, the lesson here is the thing that's so infuriating is these people are insisting doesn't exist, whether they believe it or not, whether they're like paid, you know, Brooklyn dad defiant guys with a paycheck from the DNC, or they're just like people who follow people like that and believe them is uh, what you're, what you're lost in here is the illusion of choice to do a little ABCs of Marxism kind of concept. Let's go back over this illusion of choice. It's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it's like a way to just, just keep you ideologically convinced that uh, because you pick up the one box that you don't have to go out and do a bunch of other shit. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the other shit to do right now is, but but that's but just don't convince yourself that all of politics is voting for president. You fucking dumbasses! Not you. Thank you for listening to the show. <laughs> all right, I'm rant over. I want coffee flavored coffee, etc. Cool. Um, man. I got. I keep forgetting to do plugs. I should have plugged my fucking show because it was. You ever have a set where you're like, "Oh, I didn't film that. I'm an idiot." That could have just been like all of my content online forever. Um, I don't have anything coming up, but L.A. baby, I'm out here. Keep an eye out if you listen to uh, if you, if you listen from L.A. I'll have shows and shit. Um, if you're in New York and you want to support. New York City DSA, specifically the anti-war working group, which is now uh, taking a lot of heat um, for good, you know, good taking up a good cause, which can be hard sometimes. But we are fighting for uh, justice, of course, for the Palestinians, but also the Not on Our Dime Act, which is, um, you know, uh, sort of the more based version of what. Biden is talking about now with with the settlements. Uh, you should not be getting uh, tax write offs if you're um, a, a charity, quote unquote, in New York. That's um, just directly giving funds to these to these settlement projects. But uh, that's that's what they're working on. If you want to support them, come on out on December first to paid protest. We got a lot of great comics: Amama Sardar, Aman Al Husseini. Uh, we also have Benny Feldman and Judah Friedlander returning to the show. That's going to be uh, Doors 7 o'clock, show at 7.30 at Silo in Bushwick, de- uh, December 1st. And we'll put a, a link for tickets in the show description. Okay, it's finished. <laughs>